Yeah, and related to that, for like a couple weeks, I worked for Catholic Community Services, like oh, another um, belly of charity the beast. thing. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, but um, I mean, what I was doing with them was like had very little relation to like Catholicism. It was basically like a the number that you call if you need services. It was like a two one one type thing or whatever, but. Um, there was an attorney who worked in that office for like immigration services and um, a lot of his clients were having a really hard time because a lot of them came from Africa or the Middle East and they just like couldn't comprehend that if they had a job they had to be there like exactly when it starts like because they're used to like the way jobs worked in their cultures is you just kind of like showed up when you're ready to work and someone would find you work it was a lot more like loose and like flexible um it, it wasn't like you are controlled by this one company for this exact amount of time you know what i mean i would love to witness i can't imagine that a, the larger system at large is like that like mcdonald's couldn't run if their employees just showed up whenever they felt like well yeah i mean like yeah it doesn't jobs, work in the way like that but like if jobs. you think about if you live in like Yemen or something you, you would be more like a day laborer you'd like right, show up and be like yeah. what can I do today and then someone would come by and be like I'll give you $200 to do this or that you know you know what that's actually a great idea for a jobs program because you could have little offices all over the country and then you just showed up in line that day and they would either have you filling potholes or cleaning up the park or whatever yeah, Perfect. I mean, Done. I do think we're kind of moving towards that, but in a way that'll be really bleak, where, like, yeah. every job will be, like, through, like, an Uber-like service, where you just, like, True. make, like, a, a couple bucks to do this or that, like, but, like, I mean... they pay you in fucking crypto through an app. <laughs> you don't even get a paycheck. I mean, in theory, <laughs> that is a cool idea. I just don't trust it with our system. I just don't trust it with our system. This is William Hong, and you're listening to The Society Show. I don't know, maybe not from this particular uh, terrestrial realm. Broadcasting live to tape across the nation and the world. From the Lorena Bobbitt Theater in the city built on the top of the drained Lago de Texcoco, beautiful North Seattle. It's the podcast for a world gone mad. This is the Society Show. And now, your host, a man who is stuck in a rut and couldn't be happier. Oh my. My name is Christian. This is the Society Show. Do you believe in society's laws? Today, I am joined 
by a long-time guest, one of the earliest guests we had, and a frequent reoccurring guest, Randy. Randy, welcome to the show. Randy, 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 Randy. Thank you for having me back. Yes, and um, I just want to say that uh, this episode, it is January 20th, 2022, when this comes out, and um, a couple days ago, I published a petition online that I want to draw everyone's eyes to. Um, I made a petition to change the Washington State flag. Randy, do you have any opinions on the Washington State flag? I, I'm actually, I did sign your petition and I'm glad it let me because I was concerned that if I put in an out of state zip code on the thing, it would kick it back, but it didn't. Um, they're like, <laughs> you don't even you. live here. We're not taking your signature. Um, I had, I, I hope you're, most people probably don't know, although again, this is my, you know, my ignorant small state mentality is obviously the state of Washington is named after George as if everything is in this country if it has the word Washington on it in any way the Washington Bridge Washington DC is named after George Washington I did not realize this state was so what is the word I'm looking for uncreative uh with the flag design that they just stuck his face on it it (laughs) makes no sense who like you number one no offense to anyone who lives in washington like you weren't a state when this country was founded so like i don't understand like the 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 emotional tie but like even washington dc doesn't have his face on the damn flag it's dumb it's gotta go yeah well that will that brings me to next year's petition which will be change the name of washington dc to just dc so that but that's for 2023 here i'll I'll do you one better not even like dc as in like district of columbia i want them to legally change it to d-e-e-c-e-e because that's just how everyone calls it make it like go hard lean into the coolness whatever that means dc dc not even short for anything just go with it (laughs) well i will change it from being (laughs) i i will similarly change it as you would like to but instead of just being dc the dc would now stand for diet coke There you go. Honestly, that if it, it fits, it fits with the theme. It really does. I will say though, this is an aside that like most people in the Pacific Northwest call Washington D.C. just D.C. and everyone I know calls it D.C. Nobody yeah. even on the East Coast calls it Washington D.C. Yeah, and well, I think there are like maybe there are some parts of the country where they call it Washington, or maybe it's a more old-fashioned thing. Like I think of what's that movie like, Mister Smith Goes to Washington or whatever. Hey, yeah. But I feel like calling it DC is becoming more common. Yeah, or like the march, a march on Washington. Everyone, I guess, understood that that meant Washington, D.C. But other than, like you said, in those very few contexts, I very rarely hear people call it Washington, D.C. or Washington. 
Yeah, I like DC better, but um, and then I will say about the Washington State flag, uh, it is very unoriginal, and it's uh, it's really they just put the seal on the flag, but we have a remarkably boring seal on top of that, so it's it's not gonna cut it anymore. Is the point? No, and I was like, I, I, I should have said, we should have actually prefaced this by saying spoiler alert, because it was very, actually very fun for me to look at your petition and to look up what you were talking about and be just utterly shocked by what the flag actually looked like. We should have not said what it was. We should have just told people to look it up. Because I was thinking, no offense to you, I'm like, how bad could it be? I was actually thinking more of a, oh, is there like an American Indian situation? Like, the Redskins or something on. Oh, I was like, oh, is this like a logo branding problem we're having? So when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is stupid. When I saw it, I'm like, this is just dumb. <laughs> yes. I had I was completely floored by how dumb the flag was when it when the Google image came up. I'm like, oh, this is just stupid. <laughs> yes. It absolutely has gotta go. God, even California was just like California I think has the coolest flag. I don't know why the bear with the stars it looks so badass and just like somebody came up with that like couldn't anyone come up with something like that even you have the most beautiful trees in washington nobody thought to stuck a beautiful tree on your flag like come on yeah i'll say that i think the california flag is upper mid tier like it is pretty cool looking it is like impressive but uh what what I like in a flag is, is simplicity, just very, it, like it speaks for itself. And I, I don't want to, like you could, anyone could try and you'd be like, that is the flag. But not everyone can draw like a detailed bear like on the flag. They figured it out. Yeah, I will say, I don't know. I think I'm, I think the American flag is stupid. Uh, even oh, though I hate it. I hate it more Trump's, than anything. The quote unquote birthplace of the American flag, which I still, I have, I have issues with the Betsy Ross story anyway. But like, I also feel like plain flags can be like France, Italy. Like I'm a big fan of Canada's flag. I like the color blocking scheme of flags because I like a bold color block um but i feel like it needed something else so when you have the maple leaf with you need a little a little bing like a little cherry on the top so i'm a big fan even though i'm canadian and i'm biased like i'm i have i'm a big fan of the canadian flag because you have the good color blocking but you just have a little razzle dazzle on it that's what i like it a little flare yeah a little flare yeah but then the i don't canadian like the flag is great what what country has the flag that's like is it Israel? It's green and then it has like a blue planet with a yellow ring around it. Brazil. Brazil. The Brazil that's that's too complicated for me. I don't like that one. That one's a little weird. <laughs> I think it, yeah, I think it's cool but it is a little with the stars in the blue sphere whatever it is a little a little too much detail, but I think overall it's pretty cool. You can't overstimulate me with your flags either, people. Like <laughs> you <laughs> yes. gotta make it simple, memorable. <laughs> I will say though that the absolute goat flag, the greatest flag of all time, is of course the flag of Nepal. I don't know what the Nepal flag looks like. You gotta look it up. Oh, is it all that? <laughs> yes, it is. 
Well, it, Nepal, it is a, you know, Nepal flag. Isn't that funny? Google first images. <gasps> that is neat looking. I like that. Yeah, it's the only non-square or rectangle flag. Oh, I, you know what? I'm glad you pointed that out because I, when the Google image search, I thought that was the corner of a white flag. Oh, no, the white really is not part of it. Yes, we are going to come out as pro-asymmetric flag shapes on this podcast. Yeah, and that could be worth considering when they design the new Washington state flag. Ooh, that's a good point. Because it's very university style, this Nepalese flag, I guess you would say. Um, And I like it. I like it. It's very university. So it's very (laughs) pennant. It's very, it speaks, it's very championship, MLB championship pennant flair. And I like it. Well, before we get into talking about some more news, um, you, you said you were recently re-watching The Sopranos, and you have some thoughts about it. So, I mean, I have watched The Sopranos. It's been a few years now, though. But uh, what, what do you have to say about The Sopranos? Let me ask you a question. How old were you the last time you watched it? If you remember. I, th- I think I want to say it was like three or four years ago. So I was like, I think I was 27. I did you have an appreciation for the ending at that age? Because that is the most controversial part of the show is obviously the finale. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, my general take about the ending is I think there's very mild ambiguity. I think it's very clear that we are supposed to think that Tony Soprano died. And uh, when I saw it, I was kind of shocked that there was even much debate about it in the past. Well, that's funny. Yes. So did you dislike that ending, though? Or were you okay with that? Did you think it was a good ending? I thought it was a pretty strong ending. I mean, I feel like at the end of the show, even if they didn't have that scene, you did feel like things were like ending for Tony Soprano. Like it was all mounting up. And it so it felt like it was reaching its logical conclusion. Yeah, I he was ruffling a lot of feathers in the last season. So I think, especially with the New York crew and the whole bullshit about that guy harassing Meadow, like uh, he was, ba- it was, and Johnny Sack died. So it was basically all out war in New York anyway. And they had always disliked him because the real big factions were Philly and New York. And then this sort of, hybrid middle guy faction with the North Jersey people, you know, the North Jersey gang sort of cropped up. And I understand that they're just like, this is too much competition. We already have to deal with Philly. We don't need a North Jersey crew. This is stupid. Like we need to eliminate this as a subsect of this whole, you know, structure anyway. So I felt like, yeah, I I remember being a teeny, well, I mean, myself i was in i'm trying to 99 my late teens early 20s so i was in college when the finale when i watched because i was like we're italian we're from south philly so like the sopranos was the last show and i'm sure a lot of people say this just because of the timing of it was like scheduled viewing for our family like you were home at nine o'clock on sundays and if you weren't 
you know, mom was blowing up my Nokia 5150. Where are you? The Sopranos is coming on. And as long as I confirmed with her that I was at someone's house with HBO, you know, and I was like, yes, I'm going to watch it because like you would have been you would have been reamed out if we couldn't talk about it the next day because I was, you know, doing something other than being at work. You know what I mean? Was the mm-hmm. only excuse to miss the Sopranos. So it was it was real family viewing in our house. And so we had a very strong emotional tie to that show. So it was really important for us. And I remember when I was younger, I was angry at the ending because you're right. Like people love finality. And I think as particularly Americans, the the psychological machinations of ambiguity triggers their anxiety about life in general, about the great unknown, about the show that somehow David Chase made about being the end of history. I don't know if he knew, but that somehow he was capturing that moment and crystallizing in that show that when we just rewatched it last summer, I couldn't, I'm like, I'm having a whole new appreciation. And now I love the ending. Even if you're not sure, I think it's pretty obvious. And David Chase, initially, I found old interviews from 2007, where he said, you know, that he wanted it to be like that. But then basically last year, apparently the Hollywood reporter, um, you know, nagged him into admitting that he was basically got killed in the end, but they didn't want it to be gory because the show wasn't supposed to be necessarily about gory violence. It was supposed to be about the people. Um, So he basically confirmed that, yes, Tony got whacked at the end. Um, But I had a a whole different appreciation for it the second time around. And if anyone hasn't seen it, please, please rewatch it. Yeah, his, his remarks to the Hollywood Reporter, weren't they something like, Oh, well, I didn't expect that everyone would want to see him, like, bleeding out on the ground. Yes, and he's not wrong. (laughs) I I wholeheartedly support David Chase's disdain for the average American television viewer, particularly the ones that globbed on to The Sopranos, especially the first time around. Because it was the original, like, uh, at least for me and my, because I'm Gen X, you know, my grandma Gen X moment, it was like, the the way I can explain it to people your age is like, it was like the Rick and Morty of our time, where all the <laughs> wrong people hook the wrong message away from the show where everyone wanted to be like Tony. He's so cool. Look at this fucking Sfachim over here. We're in a cap at a nice restaurant like this. Did you watch the movie, though? No, and I don't, I don't know if I will. Maybe if I'm bored one day or something, but... We watched it, and I found it confusing. I honestly didn't enjoy it. Although, you know, God bless everyone protect Tony, you know, James Gandolfini's son. He's so cute and he tried so hard. And I think he did a good job considering, you know, that I think he may not have even acted in much else. Um, But yeah, it was, I don't know, it was confusing. A lot of different players, the plot lines I thought got confusing, but. Yeah, it seems like one of those things like where like in 10 years, maybe even five people will forgot it was even made. It's a shame. Um, I don't know if that's your idea. Yeah, I mean, why not? But yeah, maybe I'll see it. Yeah, time for a rewatch. It was three, four years ago. I mean, if you have nothing else to do, because we're all stuck in the house again. 
Well, right now I am re-watching... Well, I've never watched it. I'm watching it for the first time. I'm watching X-Files, and that's taking a long time to get through. Oh my God, can we do a whole separate Twitch stream about it or something? The X-Files was 100% my favorite show in high school. Obsessed. And I've met David Duchovny. <laughs> yes. I've met David Duchovny in real life. My claim to fame is that he hit on me at a Comic-Con. Wow. To be fair, he's a sex addict, so it's not like that was hard. Yeah. But I still, I was like, and that's when I was still a little on the heavier side, not as skinny as I am now. So I'm like, ooh, put that in my pocket. Yes. I was hoping his assistant would find me after and be like, hey, <laughs> he's saying four seasons, room, uh, you know, whatever over in Philly. I would have been like, I'm there. That's a celebrity <laughs> hall pass. I am taking up. You can divorce me. I don't care. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, yeah, so good to enjoy that. It's a brilliant show. Brilliant show. Yeah, I, I really like it. Um and but I mean I have talked about it a lot on this show. I wanna I do wanna talk more about X Files once I've like seen all of it, but I've talked about it enough having seen only like three, four seasons. Why don't we do an episode about the movie? Because believe it or not, Fight the Future is like a, an amazing movie, one of my favorite movies anyway. Is that the one that came out while it was still on the air? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um I, and it, is it between like the fifth or sixth seasons? Or like it's between seasons, right? I think it was 07. Yeah. But it's great movie because I don't know. See, it's hard for me to tell because I have so much X-Files knowledge. I felt like if you were even just an alien sci-fi nerd, it was one of those movies that I think you could have watched and appreciated. Even if you didn't get all the Easter eggs, You, it was still a pretty good movie. You could follow along without needing all the background knowledge. Okay, good to know. Um, yeah. Well, I am getting the background knowledge Yay! now, so um, yes. Facts don't care about your feelings. Facts don't care about your feelings. These are facts. I do want to talk a little bit about a few news stories real quick. And I, I guess I don't have a lot to say about them, but I just want to bring them up real quick. Um, the first one is that, uh, so I'll, I'll give a little backstory. Like, I I am a big Kanye West fan, honestly. Um, like, I like a lot of his... Uh, <laughs> I like a lot of his music and I like him as a personality although I think his newer album his newest album was like kind of a stinker it had interesting stuff to it but it was overall pretty bad and uh, in general I just don't really like his uh, for lack of a better word his character arc right now I find him pretty <laughs> boring right now <laughs> um, but, I mean uh, marrying a reality star and having a bunch of kids is basic bitch stuff <laughs> well that was fair. that era is gone and past he is now in his divorced era divorced dad arc. yes it's true <laughs> yes. it's true he does have big divorce he's got it we need some more like paparazzi photos of him like deadlifting 400 at the gym or something that's big divorced <laughs> dad energy yes and um so the but the particular news story i want to talk about is he um was named as a suspect in a uh basically a 
incident where he pushed and hit a fan. Um, so this guy last year, 2021, but it's just kind of coming out like a week or so ago, actually only a couple days ago. Um, he went up to Kanye West for an autograph and he got mad and said no, and they were arguing. So then Kanye West pushed and hit him. But I guess the reason I wanted to talk about this story is people are talking about Kanye West a lot now and all the time, really. But I've like hardly heard anyone mention this. Um, have you heard much about this story? No, and it's, I guess the news cycle is so fast these days. First of all, I think this news story buries the lead about, I didn't know clubs were open in LA right now. Like LA, I have friends and family that live in Los Angeles, and I thought they were actually, my understanding was that they were being fairly diligent, so I'm not sure exactly how old this story is but like they were taking COVID pretty seriously like I was shocked that there was a nightclub even open that he was even there to hit somebody <laughs> well um yeah the so it did describe it in the article as a members only club so I no. wonder if they're like skirting the rules that way I don't know. Mayor Gar Mayor Garcetti and, and Gavin Newsom are interesting characters. I don't even know if Garcetti's even the mayor anymore. I think they have, they have so many election problems out there but um they were the, whoever the mayor is right now was still being fairly strict about it. I don't I didn't know. Yeah, members only meaning even if you're you got to show proof of vaccination cuz I'm almost sure Kanye is not vaccinated. So, I would guess. Yeah, maybe, but I just kind of believe that all celebrities or powerful people are, even if they are seemingly anti-vax. Yeah, I mean, at least if you, especially as him as a parent, if you pretend to care about your kids at all, like, even if you don't, you would still get it because you're trying to protect your kids, right? Anyway, I'm sorry, the point of the story is you you don't, his fame is making him insane, uh, honestly, for me, the point more is just that, like, Kanye West is getting kind of boring. I just, like, don't care about him Like, anymore. Tommy Lee and Pam already did this. They've done the attacking people in downtown LA on camera thing. Like, I mean, everything old is new again, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I just feel like I've seen, I, I'm in for the ride as long as the music is there. And I just don't have as much faith in the music being there anymore. So if it like, I heard the story 10 years ago, I'd be a lot more interested in it. But now I just kind of don't care. Well, here's the thing. Nothing is better for a good for music than like a breakup album or like the post breakup album like Pete Wentz was writing garbage when he was married and happy and then after you know they broke up and the band got back together like Save Rock and Roll is an amazing album to me so I'm like <laughs> whereas the album before that was awful garbage and I'm like they definitely needed a hiatus um, so maybe his next I haven't liked Kanye music since graduation and again his He's an interesting character, and but my concern for him as like a human being, and I know this sounds sort of insane, um, is that I think the death of his mother has actually weighed on him quite heavily, and I think that his mental 
state has sort of gone a little bit off the rails since then and it seems like progressively back and forth and like marrying a kardashian is sort of like the pinnacle of weird celebrity craziness and now that they're divorced i don't know if he's gonna like find his new york roots again and like maybe jay-z and beyonce will start talking to him again maybe he'll move out east again and he'll remove himself from that like insane fame lifestyle and sort of find his roots and come back down or if divorce is going to send him further off the edge yeah, not just a quick, not to be pedantic, but quick fact check. He is from Chicago. Sorry, but yes, I'm sorry. And, and Rocke- <laughs> yes. Rockefeller discovered him and, and you know, he was their, their little find or whatever. I do know that he is from Chicago. Uh, East Coast inner city roots is kind of like what I was yeah. going for. Jay-Z will take you in, man. He's got God knows how many square feet, right? Get in, get clean, so to speak. <laughs> You know, but I don't know how now that you have four kids, five kids with, you know, this insane reality star. Like, I don't know how you ever remove yourself from that. Well, I mean, Kanye did buy a new house basically across the street. So he wants to stay involved with their lives. Yeah, I mean, I think people were talking about that like it's weird. But it's like, honestly, if you're that rich, like he has a bunch of other houses. And it's like, that probably is the best for the kids. Like in, in this reality where everyone is like hyper rich, even if it seems weird to like us poors, you know. Yeah, I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, because you're right, Kanye is insanely rich. If he had some sort of insane stalker mentality, he could just hire a private detective to follow Kim and Pete Davidson around and take pictures and report back to him. I was giving him the benefit of the doubt that the the move across the street was more of a co-parenting type of logic to it and i hope i you know i hope he gets right because he is a talented musician but the fact that he literally changed his name just to he is not promising <laughs> yeah for, for someone funny. who's mentally well you know what i mean i i wanted to highlight this well i'll just give the details of the story a palestinian guy who actually lived in the u.s for like 40 years and then he moved back to the west bank in 2009 uh presumably to be with family it seems like because he still had a lot of ties to the palestinian community he uh, was recently killed or i should say found dead in um in the custody of israeli soldiers and it seems very highly likely that he was killed by the actions of these israeli people and um I guess I wanted to highlight this because, you know, it's not more serious because he was an American, a Palestinian American. I don't want to imply that at all because there are Palestinians who die like all the time because of Israeli forces. But it is really sad that like this has not been reported on in the U.S. where like if anyone except a Palestinian American was uh, killed by Israeli forces, let alone if like an Israeli American was killed by Palestinians, um, even if it was just like 
um, like a random act of violence rather than like state forces like we would be hearing all about it and so it is just like a tragedy that normally we would hear about but the circumstances around it make it so we have not heard about it no and i mean is anyone here shocked that the american media is it reporting on anything regarding palestine or palestinians in general I, I mean, I do want to say that it was reported on a little bit. Like, the article I found about it um, was in American press, but it was a local news story hey. in Milwaukee because he lived in Wisconsin. But, like, you aren't hearing about this on, like, CNN or anything remotely like that. I mean, the only thing I can speculate... <sighs> Again, there's so much going, it's, it's insane, there's so much going on, but like, I supposedly an autopsy is pending. Un unfortunately, the man is old. Just the stress of being stopped and detained by the cops, even if he was just handcuffed for a few minutes, questioned and let go, literally could have killed him. Like, I'd be curious, maybe if the autopsy comes back with something heinous, then maybe a news outlet will actually pick it up. He could I, honestly any even a, any seven year old being picked up by the cops and held for a while quite, like probably probably give you a heart attack a stroke even under the best of circumstances so I guess we'll see. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. Like I don't really know. Like I can't really say, and I wouldn't assume that he was like beat to death or anything. But it does kind of highlight the like kind of latent and passive oppression from the fact that like he was detained at this like government checkpoint where you have to like um be scrutinized or whatever and um how just that type of thing alone is very stressful it's very like harmful to your health uh, it's like not a good feeling to be in that type of circumstance and I guess people kind of talk about like say like government checkpoints in Israel like it's like oh like well what do they have to hide like what's the big deal you just check through and then you're okay when it's like well the actual act of it being there is clearly like repressive and has oh, yeah. physical impacts you know well did, i liken it just i if anyone doesn't understand try to think of did you ever go through like on like thanksgiving Eve or new year's eve like a dui checkpoint and you haven't even been drinking yet somehow your stress response just from being at the checkpoint and i'm like i will say to myself like you didn't even drink stupid just calm down just even the act of a cop driving behind you sometimes when you're distrustful, rightfully so, of the police. Now imagine you're a Palestinian living in the occupied West Bank. You don't even need to have done anything. Like knowing that at every single checkpoint that you could just be pulled out and detained and who knows what else just for being Palestinian. Like that alone would give someone, yeah, like that's a stress, a, a stress response to happen either way. Yeah. And wait, just to go back real quick um, in New Jersey, do they have like 
checkpoints where you like have to be checked if you're drunk it's been a lot of years but to be fair i don't go out very late very often these days um but back in the day at like intersections that were popular or i don't know if they even pulled them based on like statistics of drunk driving accidents or dui arrests or anything at any particular intersection but every once in a while i would be coming home from somewhere super late um, you know, on a popular quote unquote drinking holiday of any kind. And they would occasionally just, you would come up on the line. And when you saw the taillights light up too far back from the intersection and the, you're like, ah, shit, it's a checkpoint. And they would just, you, the driver roll and you'd have to roll down your window and the cop would flash a light in their eyes. And they'd be say, how are you this evening? Where are you coming from? Where are you going? Have you been drinking? Yes or no. And then if there were no other probable cause signs, you know what I mean? That you had been drinking, then it was like, okay, great. Have a nice night. Zoom and you go off. But I haven't seen one of those in years, but I haven't really been out partying on big holidays much anyway yeah i've never heard of that that seems extremely intrusive they would frame it see i get biased because i I don't know if a lot of people who listen i know i talk about this sometimes like i work for an auto insurance company um so i know that you know driving while intoxicated is can be it's not a public good it is a public threat um you know what i mean and i've seen a lot of unnecessary tragedy from that so if Mm -hmm. all they're really looking for is do i smell alcohol do you have open containers are your eyes bloodshot are you slurring your words oh god even if they pull out one idiot who could have killed somebody like is it worth it i don't know it's hard to say yeah i mean i i am very anti-drunk driving nobody's pro-drunk driving but (laughs) like i am like a very cautious driver well maybe not cautious but i i you know i get really i get tense when i drive which Which is amazing because you're from philadelphia which means if you've ever driven around Philadelphia, you think you could take on the world. I can't even do that without losing. Well, I, n- I never drove in Philly really? at all. Really? Not even like a rental car? No, not oh. even a little bit. And I mean, I, I almost, because I didn't have, used to have like issues with anxiety with driving. And I, I think it's because I went up generally about 10 years without driving. Um, like I drove when I was in high school, but not when I was in college and not afterwards um, for a long time. I think that's where it comes from. But. I hate driving, personally. I'm trying to learn to like it more again because it is something... That, I mean, I like cars. I think cars are cool and I like learning about them. And I think it's, you know, very silly of me to get anxiety about driving, but still, like, be interested in it, but... No, don't feel bad, because my ex-husband was a big car guy, and I can appreciate... He was... Boy, people who could drive manual transmission, that's, like, it always blows my mind. I spent so many times trying to learn, and I could never... I just not good at multi the hand eye coordination is not there. So he always owned high end sports cars and I can appreciate the craftsmanship and the coolness, like you said, of a nice car. Like I could appreciate that. I, I don't like driving the them. Like I'm fine being the passenger, but like 
driving, I'm like, no, thank you. I encourage everyone. The most interesting thing I've watched recently on transportation was in the Disney Plus app, they have all these really old um, Disney produced, obviously, documentaries about the parks and the history of the parks. And they go into the history of the transportation systems within the parks and how Walt was a train nerd and what inspired him to be that. It's a fascinating, which is a very sad because he was pushing California to be like Germany um, to be like, no, we in multiple ways. Yeah, unfortunately, I know. <laughs> and it was just like when they started to build the interstate highway system there, he was anti he was going to the government and saying, no, no, Cal, we should do trains, see all these things like I have all these ideas. And he was very anti driving. He wanted to be he wanted California and the LA metro area to be train heavy. Say, fellas, did somebody mention the door to darkness? Well, speaking of cars, I have one last news story I want to highlight that um, you drew my attention to. I had not heard about this, but it's a pretty crazy story. Crazy, right? I'll give the details. Please do. About a man named John Kuchwanski who is the Legislative Affairs Director for the State Board of Administration in Florida. That seems like a really convoluted but also important title. Do you know if this is an elected position? No, I didn't Google that. Um, I'm not sure. He seemed like a bureaucrat, just superficially. Yeah, I mean, he may have been appointed. He may It may be just like a bureaucratic position. But either way, it seems pretty high up there. But... So in Tallahassee, he got in a car accident. It appears from what this is saying that he kind of went out of his lane into uh, another lane and hit a Prius driver. This article really makes a point that he drives a BMW. Yeah. <laughs> he want way. you to know exactly what kind of asshole this guy is. <laughs> yeah, so he's in a BMW, hits a Prius, and they pull into a parking lot, and the driver of the Prius comes up to him, and, you know, who knows what they said. Hey, man, watch watch what you're doing. Anyway, here's my insurance info. Who, who knows? Um, the Prius driver then goes back to his car to wait for the cops to come and then meanwhile Kuzwanski this guy he rammed into the Prius driver door with the BMW so kind of knocking the car sideways hitting him again and then began firing a handgun well I don't know what type of gun I'm presuming handgun is what I understood yeah okay yeah and um and shooting at the Prius, and the Prius driver driver uh, took out his own gun and fired, just fired back, and killed the the guy, the administrative bigwig or whatever. And I think it was just like basically one shot, one kill. I I don't know. It doesn't say. I don't how many mean shots. to laugh at other people's pain. Yeah. Um. 
It's an unbelievable story. The last detail I will add uh, about this story is it is not the um, second time this has happened. In 2014, he um, was charged with assault and disorderly conduct from a road rage incident. And here's the real just like cherry on top. His 2014 charge was at the same intersection as the one where he ended up dying. So this is the second road rage incident he has been caught for. Probably he probably does road rage all the time, honestly. Really? But like, um, anyway. So those are all the important details. What are your thoughts about this? So the other thing I wanted to highlight about the 2014 incident is he also drew a gun on that person, which is why it escalated. I don't even think it that involved a car accident that time. It was probably just another. Maybe you cut me off. Maybe you jumped the light. I don't know. But that only even rose to the level of assault because he pulled a weapon the first time Wow. Okay. on an innocent passenger who then called the cops, an innocent motorist, I mean, who called the cops and was like, yo, this dude in this car or whatever, and reported like an, an accurate enough description of him in the car that by the time the, the cops actually got there and was able to like locate him and arrested him on the spot because they were like, the other motorist was like, yeah, that's the guy that just pulled a gun on me for no friggin' reason. And they were like, um, we know this is Florida but you can't just like do that so like he didn't even lean learn his lesson the first time so the two things i want to highlight about this story is that he fucked around and found out and then why there are no gun laws you've already been arrested for pulling your weapon on an innocent person in public and they still don't let you they don't take away your license to carry after that like that's insane so i will say this article this story just kind of blew my mind cuz you're right i like how the article makes it a point to sort of and i my unfortunately i'm i'm having a good time in in my boredom like making up stories about these two people and just imagining it so cuz you're right they make it a point to mention bad guy bmw innocent guy prius guy so they're sort of <laughs> yes. like grinding home that like they didn't say he had a biden harris 2020 sticker on his car but you can almost imagine it or worse yet a bernie sticker on his car and so you just kind of make up this image in your head of like where i used to be because this country you know i was the age of the columbine like i was in high school when that happened and like that was when I was like, oh, no, people shouldn't be everyone get rid of the guns, repeal the second. And I was on that tip for a real long time, even though I know it's hyper unrealistic. Now, after reading this story, I'm like, no, wait, I have this all wrong. Comrades, arm yourselves, load up. But I want you to do it smartly. We go pay for the classes. I want you guys to be expert marksmen. So that way when these when these Lauren Boebert Trump supporting wannabes pull their fucking pistols, first of all, you're a fucking loser because he pulled his pistol because you're figuring the BMW and the Prius, he's like ramming it into the thing. First of all, he had a laser sight on his handheld. I don't know how bad your vision has to be or your aim has to be for you to feel like you need a laser assisted scope. Like get a grip. Those are for long term like rifles. But like he then pulls his weapon, shoots into the cab of the Prius and misses. 
Yeah, I almost I would be surprised if he the the guy in the BMW, the this bureaucrat. I wouldn't be surprised if he even thought like, "Oh, he probably doesn't have a gun he because he's a in Prius. a Prius." Exactly. And that's what happens when you make snap judgments about people. I don't think he would have done that to a guy in like a Another Dodge BMW Ram or a big pickup truck. You're 100% correct. <laughs> yeah. I believe you are 100% correct and the fact that he caught it from a guy in a Prius again I hate to say it and this is just like proves the cruelty of our society Society. which I think this article ties in nice to the other thing you wanted to talk about that op-ed piece um that I'm just like no no no, I am glad and his wife is even more insane so dead BMW guy's wife is insisting that he was the victim and that her husband is the nicest man on the planet and that this Prius guy planned this minor traffic accident somehow it sounded like a basic side swipe type accident like it shouldn't even rose to the level of any kind of argument Um, but somehow this minor accident did and it was just like she's insistent that he's the victim and that this Prius guy was somehow up to no good and I'm like yes you're right ma'am the Illuminati sent him yeah and I do want to highlight that the last tweet that he sent was um, and this is included in the article like I I think this article is kind of funny because it's clear they're almost like a little biased but making fun of this guy but his last tweet was I just entered to win the Lago Arms Alien Pistol from Classic Firearm valued at 5000 and it's basically an ad to get other people to enter this contest um Win, like an, which, a semi-automatic something something i don't even know <laughs> it's so insane we have raffles yeah. in this country christian to give away military level arms to citizens yeah <sighs> <laughs> I, you know, Florida was on my list of places I could have potentially retired to because they have very friendly income tax laws. But like if people down there are just going to be airing each other out like this, I don't know. I don't think I can also, hopefully that. in retirement, you don't have an income. No, you do. Like for Jersey, unfortunately, I'm getting to the point where I'm like starting to research this stuff where I'm like, when I go to cash out my 401k, I need it to be as as friendly as possible to me no they count your retirement disbursements as taxable income is it taxed the same way like just regular income is what i understand it is because one of my doctors retired to uh miami beach last year and when him and i were just chatting about like why miami or whatever he was telling me that it is because there is no income tax there so he gets to have his IRA disbursements and whatever untaxed because it he's he used the word and this is a very smart man so he used the word in no income tax so I understood that to mean that any income you have coming in whether it be IRA disbursements or a paycheck gets taxed the same way okay yeah well thankfully Washington has no income tax then I'm adding it to the list because it looks like Florida's out (laughs) Yeah, we we just have high sales tax and high property tax to make up for it. That's all right. I'm a renter type person anyway in my old age. I'm too old <laughs> yes. to maintain a home when I'm retired, so owning a home doesn't seem really realistic. I just want my little studio apartment. 
you know, I'll come live with, with you guys. Near you guys. We can hang out. When they finally pulled the driver's body from the twisted, burning wreck, it looked like this. <laughs> Since you brought it up, I, I do want to talk about this. This um, New York Times opinion piece by uh, David Brooks called uh, America is Falling Apart at the Seams. Now, this isn't the type of thing I'd normally want to talk about on the show, but I just read this whole thing and was frankly like flabbergasted by how kind of naive he is uh, about it and um, I don't want to read through it but um, I'll give some of the details. He highlights a lot of stats about how um, the amount of death like driving related deaths are up. He uh, talks about how there's more disruption um, against teachers there's more drug use there's more hate crimes more gun purchases um, more hostile hostility, less charity, um, there's, you know, polarization, um, all kinds of stuff like this, and he basically comes to the correct conclusion that America is in a terrible situation, as I would put it, and many would put it, although David Brooks probably wouldn't, we are living in a failing empire, a declining empire. And um, he, yeah, he really just comes to the conclusion that, like, I have no idea what's causing this. That's literally what he says. Um, so I have lots of ideas or what's, what's causing it, but what are your thoughts on this uh, opinion piece? so funny because again i i my career has been in you know claims adjudication for auto insurance carriers and it was like the statistics on the car crashes annoy me because i think that they're taking out of context um i don't think the number of miles americans drove fell 13 percent but that doesn't mean the proportion of the population that needed to drive fell. That just means they didn't have to drive as far. And most, and it, it's colloquially true, even though I don't have a stat in my back pocket, I apologize, I should have pulled it out, that most people are involved in accidents, even fatal ones, less than two miles from their home. That's actually true. That Every accident I've ever been in has literally been near my, my fucking house. Every time. And I'm just like, ugh. Because I think mentally people do that because they're just comfortable with the roads and they stop paying attention a little bit. Um, yeah, like, there is real no quick. correlation between those statistics. So he's an idiot. Yeah, I was just going to say, I've always heard that, and I've always thought, like, well, of course that's true. Like, there, it would be weird if that wasn't true, you know? Like, it is very intuitive. Like, most people don't drive super far from their houses on a daily basis for any given reason. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like, he's stupid, he's stupid. So, I I very find it very bizarre that, I guess, his whole, his little thing where he goes, why are so many Americans driving irresponsibly? David, I don't know how to break this to you. For somebody who I believe has lived in most major, especially if he's New York Times, although obviously people in New York, I don't know if he lives in New York or just writes for the Times, but like people who live in New York don't necessarily drive all that often. But like, this is not like 
they've always been doing that. What are you talking about? I don't know if anyone, I think, especially with the advent of texting and driving, um, that's actually the biggest problem with careless driving these days. I'm less concerned with the, I will, and I know people hate on Uber and Lyft and gig economy and what it's, it means for the larger world. And I get it, but I'll tell you what, DUIs and, and drunk driving accidents have gone way down since the advent of Uber and Lyft. So unfortunately, I actually see the benefit to that. So like he tried to, why are many Americans driving irresponsibly? I don't know if that's what those statistics are really telling him, but like, it's just a stupid question. Why are so many Americans driving irresponsibly? Are they, are they, or have they always been and you just noticed? And then he goes on to quote, of all people, Maddie Iglesias. For like the the nugget of truth in all of this, really is that where you're going, Maddie's Substack? Stop playing. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I will say that I know that there has been an increased number of uh, pedestrian deaths after being struck by cars, and so I guess the way he frames it is like that people are driving more recklessly, but I think that it's like a big part of it is just like real, like cars are a lot bigger now, which is more safe for the driver, but also like, um, kind of makes it uh, unsafe for pedestrians. Like there's a lot of other things that can be at play rather than just like, Oh, everyone's speeding on the freeway yes. and crashing into a wall. Exactly. Like, Most people love to take weird statistics about driving motorist cars. There could be any number of drivers for, even if it's true that there's more pedestrian deaths or fatalities involved when in being hit by a motor vehicle. I almost guarantee you that people looking at their cell phones and not paying attention is the ultimate driver of that. Just based on, again, my colloquial experience. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. If you were driving and you almost hit, and, and even if the pedestrian was paying attention, the driver could very well be playing with an electronic device in their car that caused them to not be paying attention there could be and again there's so many factors of like are a lot more people walking because of lack of transportation during the pandemic maybe there's a lot more pedestrian accidents maybe because there's a lot more pedestrians maybe a lot of people are opting to walk to the places they need to get rather than maybe they can't afford gas anymore maybe they don't want to get on the bus because of the pandemic any number of things could be driving that statistic so i hate when people just sort of like take a shocking statistic that sounds superficially like oh and it sort of makes your blood curdle to think about pedestrian accidents being on the rise because it is a horrible thing and it's a terrible way to die but at the same time anything could be driving that like you said but i like what but i love how only a conservative i will say this my sister is a teacher so i again i hate to say that like i don't have some like crystal ball um but I do have an interesting way of like seeing things because I am from small town, New Jersey, right? A typical major metropolitan suburb raised by high school educated parents in a, you know, fairly lower middle class 
town and, um, you know, we're our standard, you know, two kid family, mom and, you know, stay at home mom, this and that. So when I see things happen in my little bubble, believe it or not, it's always a microcosm of something that is absolutely happening in every small town all over the country. So like when I wrote my blog back in 2015 about I very early before when everyone was writing Trump off, I actually had experiences with local people in local just everyday shit where I was like, oh no, this is actually a problem. This is actually a problem. There were way too many people that I would have normally respected to be in normal people, normal quote unquote, intelligent people, mainstream thinkers, or even fringe thinkers like my dad, who were like talking brazy nonsense about that election. And I, that's how I knew early on that there was a problem when everyone else was just glazing over it. I'm like, no, if it's happening here, it's happening in every stupid small town across this country. And that's when you when you accumulate all those experiences, you end up with what happened. And so like I tell stories about my sister as a teacher. Again, is that indicative of she teaches at a little school. She teaches at a private school, right? So she, her school did not do any remote learning. They don't have the resources or the will to change their infrastructure to accommodate remote learning. Um, and they understood their role as a glorified daycare for the parents that pay the tuition there. So they never, not once, had remote learning in the entire two years year three gal of this pandemic. So my sister's always been at work. So she's never had a day off and she's never been laid off. And so her experience has been that particularly this past September, enrollment in her private school was way up. Whereas normally enrollment, they would almost, you know, because she teaches in, again, a lower middle class town where tuition, like most parents aren't going to kick out like to send their kid to a private school. Um, It was weird. They had a huge jump in enrollment to the point where my sister was like, I can't manage this many kids in one class. Why aren't you hiring more teachers? And then she tells these stories about all the kids, the new enrollments were kids from that were home last year, the home during 2020. Um, and she was like, these children are feral. She's like them being at home, attempting to remote learn. Now she teaches second grade and she's like, they're, they're like, it's like, uh, little possessed exorcist children. Like they're so insane. You can't control them. They don't understand behavior. They don't, they have no under idea what structure or boundaries is. So when they mentioned in this article about disruptive behavior in schools. And so again, my sister's little experience in this one little random school is probably a microcosm of things that are happening in schools everywhere. So I'm not surprised yeah. by any of these stories. Well, yeah, I mean, so I guess that draws to the the point of the essay where it's like he is saying that there's all these things going on 
and he he doesn't know what to attribute them to all it's these so like ails of society and i i mean i guess that is the issue with like the conservative worldview is because he's looking for all of these like little cultural things he can attribute to like you find he went to the washington post that Where's like Karen? beacon of free research and they're like <laughs> talking about how like uh there's two studies about how america is a nation of narcissists and it's like well for one you didn't need washington post to tell you that right, right. like you didn't that, that is the most intuitively understood thing like come on but also it's like that isn't actually the cause of all of this and i would say the obvious cause is of course income inequality but even deeper than that is just a decline in um in the like lifestyle ability to live like that is absolutely in decline and i think that what i would attribute it to mostly is for a long time the u.s was the top of a global kind of neo-imperial system where value was extracted from other countries back into the u.s and now a lot of those countries like china and india India are growing they're becoming more like middle class countries they're not as easily exploited and the U.S. has less places to turn and the only way they know how to keep that up is by kind of exploiting uh, uh, an underclass and the most easily available underclass they have to exploit is increasingly the people in the U.S. And so they're uh, kind of exerting this sort of neo-imperialist approach of like hyper extraction to the domestic people whereas the old model was like we'll exploit China so that we can make everyone in the US middle class or higher um, and now they're like well we can't do that the same way we were before so who's who's gonna be the, the one suffering to make this system work um, and that is just I mean a lot of that is kind of extrapolation but the fact is abundantly clear that just like the the quality of life is much worse in the u.s and it's getting much worse it is just on decline um, we're living in a failed state now yes so like i know he's like some of our poison i don't even understand when people use the word social fabric although i guess that's meant to mean like community identities but i don't know if that's how he's taking it where he tries to pin some of our poisons must be sociological the fraying of social fabric um and then he loves to just with no causation or nexus he says well gallup reported last year that u.s church memberships falls below the majority for the first time what does that have to do with anything maybe the yeah Maybe it, maybe it, people you're if, if you're making some sort of causation between I don't know what U.S. church means is that like Catholic church or is that like Joel Osteen's church or like I don't know Jimmy Stewart's church like I don't know what church but like the fact that 
I don't even know how churches define membership these days, but like maybe people, because you have to tithe, obviously, uh, when you're an active participant in the church, maybe people membership has fallen because A, people like to sleep in on fucking Sundays because they deserve it. Or two, maybe they don't want to get up 10% of their income. You have no idea yeah. why why religious membership in general may be decreasing in this country. But like there's, you have no idea if that's indicative of anything. Yeah, and going off of the the social, going off of the social fabric thing, it's like that actually is something that Marx predicted would be a consequence of capitalism because he wrote that like gender norms as we understood them um, are very beneficial to kind of a feudal agrarian society like there are different roles that need to be done and they're attributed to different genders but under capitalism that kind of levels those gender norms and you would eventually come to a system where like the family it's like the dad is like well what incentive do I have to help this family like I make all the money I I don't get anything from you know like my dumb wife or however like a capitalist would think of it like I'm the one who's accumulating value it's a very like selfish uh, political system that actually levels any sort of of like gender relations yeah because like you said that's a really interesting point because if you think about like you said it's when you can compartmentalize roles in society into genders which is like the females are all going to get singled out to do domestic stuff or whatever and then you can single out the dudes to do like the hard labor stuff like that's much easier like you said to run a little system with those whereas when those get blurred it's kind of like, and again, I had in a capitalist system, like who, I don't know why they care who's doing the work. All they need is someone to exploit. Do they really care if it's a male or female? Like, are you showing up to do the work? Um, I hate, I also hate, like, uh, I would, there were a low blow to all my friends who are single parents. In that same paragraph, he's like, well, the Pew Research Center reported, quote, U.S. has world's highest rate of children living in single parent households, end quote. That's it. First of all, I'm <laughs> fuck you. That what does that mean? What are you even implying? My friends that are single parents work extremely hard to make sure has there I don't even know and I was a social major in college. Like I don't even necessarily know of any specific. I'm sure growing up in a single parent household isn't always easy, but I don't know that there's any actual long-term psychological or effects on children that are raised in single parent households. And I don't know that there haven't been any truly legitimate studies done on that so like other than quoting some statistic the u.s about children living okay and then what happened like how dare you just throw that out there he linked he doesn't link to it he doesn't care to contextualize that and i'm like are you sick yeah because i mean i i would totally believe that um there is like um, maybe like people from a single parent household have little things about them that are like slight, like maybe they have slightly lower test rates or graduation rates or whatever. But uh, 
personally, I think they're all probably more of a side effect of the fact that like it, people are more likely to come from single parent homes if uh, they don't have as much money. Like rich families are more likely to stay together. And we do know that wealth has a significant impact, especially on in the United States of like how smart people end up being, how well they end up doing in life. Like being rich is the big factor and and so i think it's a lot of like cause or correlation without causation or with like implied causation it's disgusting so then um it's I, I, I the only thing he says that's even like remotely again could be on point that again i think just like you said uh, observationally like the nurse like duh was that you know when we did when we had president trump and i'm not trying to make him out to be like the be all end all but he did have this sort of effect of it was masks off then and so i do feel like some of the for instance this this story about that guy in florida do I believe before President Trump? He did. He pulled a gun on somebody in 2014, but he didn't actually shoot it at somebody. So, like, now in the post-Trump world, do guys like him think they can just fucking shoot somebody in a Prius and think that that shit is okay? Like, I'm sure in a post-Trump world, there is a segment of the population that thinks it's okay to use racial slurs towards other people when before maybe they didn't. He did give a certain percentage of the population permission to be hateful, awful people, but that can't be the boogeyman in the closet for all of this. And then he's like, oh, um a moral problem oh is it a spiritual problem david is it a moral problem should we meditate on it i don't know if this is his way of like we should all go back to church um he quotes you know over the years which is and again it's so funny because all the things that he says that are very obviously true are the things he quotes with no statistics it's like just duh over the past several years a wide range of different behaviors americans have been acting in fewer pro-social and relational ways and more anti-self anti-social and self-destructive ways and then he does this almost comical but why and i'm like oh god would you like to answer christian <laughs> well i mean i i think my answer is about like the kind of ex exporting of the neo-imperialist form like back into the imperial core and kind of reducing the quality of life of an increasing number of people here to sustain the the lifestyle of the wealthy i think that really is why if any of these things are like properly bad phenomenon i think they're all related to that honestly you're so cute. I love your 12th dimensional chess way of thinking about things. I read this. I just wanted to cry. And I was just like, I, does he not understand? I, I think the answer might even be, and, and again, you're so much smarter than me. So like, we might be saying the same thing, but differently. It is baked into the history of this country in such a unique way where this hyper individualistic libertarian yeoman frontiersman mentality where it's every man for himself 
that's been baked in from day one. There has never been, other than like, you know, maybe the people in Jamestown, like if they had been, like in little clusters of colonial America, an internal community support system was probably integral to their survival in the real hard, badass days. But like, I read a lot of history and I'm currently reading the people's history of the United States, which is so brilliant. I'm so mad. I slept on it for so long. And it's like, it's just so obvious that just the mentality, even just the founders of this country, they they just came here and it was just kind of like, we're doing it for ourselves, right? This hyper individualistic, if you can make it here you can make it anywhere and all you need this this real estate scam disguised as a country of like all you need is your little plot of land and you grow your own food and blah 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 there was never anything in our constitution our mentality or our social fabric if you even want to call that that ever except in times of like war and i would even say just like world war is one and two might be the only times when you saw us as a country sort of have a collective communistic way of living and thinking outside of those instances it was to me history was very almost always about us pitting ourselves against each other otherizing each other and and pushing each other down to get ahead so, like, I can't see how anyone could not see that to me. And it's just yeah. the more, the, the longer we go along, the faster the entropy happens. And this is just the obvious outcome of that. So, yeah, I do agree with, like, uh, like what you're saying. but I, And I think what I'm looking for is, like, what is different now? Because that has always been there, and it's always been part of the equation. And it's kind of, like, metastasized in different forms throughout time. But, like, I definitely gap, think, Right, and the like, inequalities in our society break down, like, those those the gaps in opportunity and as the systemic racism and things like that that are basically getting rid of the middle class and now we're very polarized like you said as far as wealth goes those like you said those things are just metastasizing in the nastiest violentest way yeah and i think the u.s i mean they face problems they only have one you know like ideology is a tool and they have a pretty limited tool set on how to solve problems because traditionally what they've always done is sort of or i mean at least for the past hundred or so years is a kind of um consumerist like oh if you just consume more they then that will kind of get through the problem um but that that's not really a solution anymore because people aren't able to consume more because we're being squeezed more to sustain their lifestyle it's like they 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 only have solutions that have already been thoroughly exhausted and they um, cannot fathom a reality with other solutions. You're right. Yes. And it's just about like 
capitalism sets up there is no i mean not that there isn't a way but it would take a very unique force of will for regular people trying to function in a capitalist system to not rip each other to actually care about each other because everyone's just trying to eke out a fucking existence here and that's all we can do and if 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 me if the if the difference between me eking out my survival and someone else not means me taking like i there a twitter friend of mine posted a story yesterday um it's a stupid snowstorm but the there was a woman in the grocery store that literally snatched the last loaf of bread out of her hand and ran off with it and an employee actually saw it happen and actually assisted her which was very nice but like how else are people how else would david brooks or anyone else expect us to act because it's just it is the thunderdome right it is mm-hmm. what it is. It's it is it is the the it is the the Hunger Games now. It is. And the pandemic has just brought that into sharp sharp focus. And so we may have been able to maintain this air of civility for maybe another I think climate change probably would have ended that probably in about 20 to 25 years. I'm 2050 was my cutoff for that where whatever we're experiencing now i was actually guessing 2050 was going to be the year for that but the pandemic has unfortunately accelerated what very well could be an apocalypse and so of course people we we could have i don't even want to say ended the pandemic but like if we had any kind of social fabric in this country or or like i said um familiar way of thinking each other and in social relationships about you know wearing a mask even if you don't want to because that protects your neighbor or whatever i mean this has just like brought it into sharp sharp focus that it was always it was always here it was always here yeah that is a good place to wrap for now um Well, so my name is Christian. You have been listening to The Society Show. Randy, before you go, do you want to plug where you're available online or your show, anything like that? Yes, thank you. Um, Anyone who wants to support me can follow me on Twitter at Waskily Wabbit. Um, And you can, if you're into anime, you can give my podcast a a listen. I co-host the Weeb Jammin' Podcast, and you can find us on Twitter at Weeb Jammin' or wherever you find your podcasts. Great, thank you. And uh, for the audience, you can follow me personally on Twitter at Christian is Cool, is spelled I Z. You can follow the show on Twitter at society underscore show. And if you want to learn anything more about the show, like how to contact me and all that, you can go to societyshow.net. Randy, thanks again for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me.